0: you are listening to On Human Rights, where uh, we bring you interviews from experts around the world. We highlight the latest and most interesting trends and bring you information on human rights and international humanitarian law. My name is Karol Zucchini and we are broadcasting from the Raoul Wallenberg Institute in Lund, Sweden. Today, we welcome our guest professor, Maria Carolina Romero. She has been a member of the Faculty of Law at the World Maritime University since 2011. And currently serves as the head of the Maritime Law and Policy Specialization. She lectures on international organizations and maritime conventions, the law of the sea, and the protection of the marine environment, and oversees these c- courses. In addition, she organizes the annual Moot Court competition, which focuses on current issues of the law of the sea, along with a field study trip to the Hague and Hamburg. Professor Romero places great importance on cooperation activities with Latin America and the Caribbean and has already organized the two regional conferences there, the Maritime and Port Sectors in the Americas, Challenges and Opportunities in Light of the SDGs, conference in Lima, Peru in 2017, and the second regional conference, Maritime Transport and Ocean Policies, Regional Perspective for the Americas in Veracruz, Mexico in 2019. Welcome.
1: Hey, my name is uh, Maria Carolina Romero. I am a, a lawyer from Venezuela. Uh, I have been, I am an associate professor at the university. I am the current head of the Maritime Law and Policy Specialization. I have been, I joined the university in 2011 On quite a number of, of years. I have been here working at the, and it is a pleasure to have, you here. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. was well, a pleasure to know you. So it, the, the first question was, uh, as the head of maritime law and policy uh, here at the uh, Maritime University, uh, we want to uh, ask you, yeah, like, your thoughts on your thoughts on the theme for the World Maritime Day, 2023.
1: Well, the Imos theme re- uh, reflects the, the commitment of IAMO to protect the marine environment uh, in line with some objectives of the Agenda 2030, uh, such as Col 14 to protect and conserve the, the oceans and the sustainable use of the ocean. Uh, I, the IMO has produced an important number of conventions. There are about 30 conventions uh, enforce regulating most of the activities uh, on vessels. From those conventions, you have three uh, key IAMO conventions. The SOLAS convention uh, for the safety of life at sea, the MARPOL convention related to the protection of the marine environment, and the STCW convention on a standard on training, certification, and watchkeeping for seafarers. This year, I am Putin, is putting the focus on, on MARPOL. Uh, the Marple Convention uh, covers a wide range of pollutants such as oil, noxious, liquid substance, harmful substance carried by sea in package form, sewage garbage, and all air pollution from ships. Uh, here, uh, the, the maritime law and policy specialization gives uh, special attention to the subject of protection of the marine environment, not only uh, of MARPOL, but also uh, we teach uh, uh, a number of conventions developed by IMO to protect the marine environments. For example, the, dumping, uh, the convention on dumping of waste, which turned 50 last year. Uh, the Convention for Preparedness, uh, Response, and Cooperation in case you have a pollu- an, an incident, uh, uh, and a spill. Mm-hmm. It could be an oil spill or you could have a spill of chemi- chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Convention for the Control of Anti-Fouling System, used use on ships and the convention on recycling of ships uh, which is about to enter into force I think next year. So uh, so this year the the IMS team is in the protection of the marine environment and next year they already have a, a theme. Uh, the theme for next year is safety. Uh, the theme is navigating the future safety first. So the I am when when look at another uh, another pillar, the solar convention, and the new technologies uh, and the alternative fuels.
0: So we can say it's like safety, both for like human beings and uh, like environment.
1: Yeah, the the is the the latest development in in the Marple convention will lead to the use of alternative fuels. And the use of alternative fuels also uh, bring the focus to the safety in the vessels, because you will have the change of the fuels. Okay. The safety of life, of those people working on the vessels.
0: That is very important. And then I would like to move on to the second question. And uh, the, the second question is what are the biggest challenges facing the maritime law at the moment?
1: Well, right now one of the main focus is the decarbonisation of the shipping the shipping sector or reducing the green gas emission from, from ships. I am target for twenty fifty if to reach net, net zero green gas house emissions. On international ships so we see that the, the organization is, is committed to the sustainable to achieving the sustainable development goals and to take actions to combat climate change this is is, is one of, of the challenge in line on uh, with the Paris agreement uh, so you have the problem of uh, alternative fuels, or the challenge of this new alternative fuel, which are low and zero carbon fuels, which which will be needed to decarbonize the shipping sector. uh? So you need to have different fuels, such as ammonia, ethanol, biodiesel, and other new uh, components that comprise these alternative fuels. At the same time, you need to develop a new liability and compensation, the regime that includes uh, these new fuels, because there is not yet a liability and compensation regime in case you have a spill of social uh, fuel. Uh, you have a, a situation with the impact on shipping and seafaring, the situation in the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov, uh, you have this war uh, in Ukraine. Have had affected shipping in that area on the world. There is this Black Sea Grain Initiative developed by the United Nations, uh, which, fa- which facilitates the, the navigation, the safe navigation uh, for the exports of grain to go out of Ukraine and, in a way, also to. Uh, uh, um, uh, Make sure that food stuff grain will come. Uh, fertilizers will uh, can be transported out of Ukraine to the different yep. countries uh, okay. uh, that needing and to make sure that you keep global food uh, prices down yeah
0: with uh, uh, there is also the
1: the topic of of the sanctions and the evasions of sanctions. Uh, we have seen there is an increase of ship to ship operations in the Middle Ocean. Uh, there are some uh, operators of vessels that have developed methods to obscure the ship identity, such as you can turn off the ACE. Uh, transport, transported, this is the automatic ident- identification system of the ship, uh, and this undermines the spirit of the regulation of ship or ship operate, uh, operations which, which are included in, in the Marple Convention. This pra- practice to do this ship-to-ship operation or, or uh, transfer in mid-ocean, you could have the risk of pollution and also collisions, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, We have also seen the emergence of a dark fleet or a shadow fleet that have been uh, emerged to circumvent the sanctions uh, and the high insurance costs. Uh, There is uh, a fleet of between 300 to 600 tankers that are uh, which are those ships? These are all the ships, tankers, uh, which they have substandard maintenance, unclear ownership, and they don't have insurance. And they are transporting uh, oil from sanctioned uh, anyway. countries.
0: Ah, yeah. So, how can maritime law be strengthened to? Better protect and uphold human rights in international waters?
1: Well, w- when we speak about human rights in international uh, water, we, are, we usually think about refugees and migrants, uh, but we should not forget the seafarers. And there has been a dramatic increase. In, in recent years, in abandonment cases of seafarer, even after the pandemic had ended. Uh, so, abandonment, of, of course, when the ship owner fails to fulfill certain obligations uh, uh, to the seafarer, such as the repatriation of the seafarer or the payment of wish to the seafarer. Uh, it's a very difficult situation for the seafarer who could be in, a, in, a, in another country. It's, a, it's a, a situation that will impact his health, it will impact his families and uh, because they lack payment. Uh, and why the seafarers are abandoned? The seafarers are abandoned due to a, a decision. Of the ship owner. The ship owner may be facing bankruptcy, insolvency, the arrest of the vessel. And then so, in some cases, they will abandon their vessel and the, uh, the seafarers. Okay? Uh, so, uh, this issue is being currently or has been for many years discussed at the IMO Legal Committee. Uh, it's a main forum where this issue is discussed. Uh, 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 in 2017, we saw amendment to the Maritime Labor Convention, which now have compulsory insurance to cover the abandonment of seafarers. So, the state must ratify and enforce the MLC to ensure a living playing field of maritime labor standards. We also for, uh, have what is called the, the unsafe mixed migration by sea. Why is mixed? Because we, we could have uh, uh, migrants and refugees uh, migrating by sea. Uh, IMO has called for greater focus on, uh, on addressing this unsafe migration by sea uh, through more safe and regular uh, migration pathways so that fee, fewer lives at law uh, due to large number of people trying to, to migrate by sea. So the law of the sea imposed uh, a, a duty to rescue people uh, in distress at sea. However, the obligations regarding social rescue were not developed considering the, the difficulties imposed by today's mass migration. So there is not a single convention that deals with this issue uh, of mass, mass migration at sea uh, to address the safety of life at sea and uh, search and rescue. Uh, I am have been working with partners organizations because you don't have a single convention. So and they have to to work with a, a number of organizations within the UN system to try to develop and update a guidance for ship masters and governments. So what had been done uh, are we doing at the Maritime Law and Policy Specialisation? Uh, we have been collaborating with the Institute of Humanitarian Law in Sanremo, Italy. Uh, they deliver a number of courses on the migration law. And they have, have, they have also um, uh, developed a course, uh, a course on protection of life at sea. So we have been, for the last three years, collaborating with them in the delivery of those courses. And there is the, they have, there is the creation of a new committee in the International Law Association They have created a committee on the protection of people at sea to address these emerging issues of protecting uh, all people at sea and the human rights.
0: And uh, how has Marple evolved over the last 50 years and what impact has it had on maritime law and policy?
1: Well, Marple has evolved significantly in over the last 50 years. Uh, Marple was first adopted in 1973 Uh, and then significantly amended in 1978. Uh, The initial version of the convention established regulation for preventing pollution from oil and chemicals. And then we have the adoption of different annexes of the Convention that included all the type of pollutants. Uh, We have, in 1997, the uh, adoption of Annex 6 on prevention on air pollution from ships. We have the Annex 4, adopted in 2003. Uh, that set the standards for treating and discharging sewage uh, from ships. Uh, the idea is to prevent uh, the discharge of untreated sewage. We have another um, annex core uh, contributed to improve sanitation practice on ships uh, uh, and reduce the discharge. Of untreated sewage into the ocean, uh, we have an F5 that uh, looks into the discharge of garbage uh, from ship into the sea. This annex is also very important when we look at the problem of marine litter today. Okay? Uh, so. It, the Convention has evolved very significantly because uh, it has spanned its scope to cover uh, different types of pollutions and has also uh, obliged the, the, the ship owner to adapt to new technologies in the, in the weather.
0: Good. Thank you. and. Um... And how does the protection of marine environment factor into the discussion surrounding World Maritime Day 2023? It, I will do eye, I will so, okay. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, okay. And you could say, correct, yeah. Could you share any significant challenges multiple has faced into its journey and how they were overcome? Uh huh. Uh huh.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, so it's this number. Okay. Okay, yeah.
1: Okay, well, well, um, one of the primary challenges MARPOL faced has been ensuring consistent implementation and enforcement of its regulations across all member states. Uh, compliance varies, and some states struggle to enforce MARPOL provision effectively. Uh, to address this challenge, IAMO established the Port-State Control Regime which allows member states uh, to inspect foreign vessels visiting their port for Marport mar- compliance. This ha- has helped improve compliance by deterring non compliant vessels and promoting a culture of ad- adherence to regulations. Striking uh, a balance between economic interests and emba- environmental protection has been an ongoing challenge. Instringent environmental regulations can increase operating costs for ship owners, so, the IMO uh, needs to consider the economic impact of the rules and strive to develop measures that are technically feasible and economically viable. This balance is essential to ensure that the shipping industry remains economically sustainable, while at the same time meeting environmental goals.
0: How do you see the future of MARPOL in terms of amendments and modifications to better suit the changing maritime environment?
1: Well, overall, the future of MARPOL will involve a dynamic and adaptive process of amendments and modification to align with environmental, evolving environmental, technological and regulatory development, including the Sustainable Development Goals. These changes will be essential to ensure that the maritime industry continues to operate sustainably while minimizing its impact on the marine environment. Given the increased focus on combating climate change, MARPOL is expected to see further amendments related to green gas house uh, gas emission reductions. And uh, this may include more stranger energy, efficient, efficient the requirements and target for reducing carbon dioxide emissions from ships. A uh, may encourage the use of alternative fuels, such as LNG, hydrogen, or ammonia, and promote the development and uh, an adoption of uh, new technology, like wind-assisted propulsion and electronic propulsion system. And um, you also have the, the subject of autonomous uh, vessels, uh, and as autonomous shipping technologies and advanced MARPOR may need to adapt to include regulation that address this unique challenge. Uh, and risks also associated with autonomous vessels, uh, including liability, safety, and pollution prevention. Marple may, may incorporate amendments to address the emerging pollutants and substances of concern such as microplastic and hazardous chemicals. Uh, this could involve stricter regulation on waste, waste discharge treatment. Marple may align with circular economy principles, emphasizing waste reduction, recycling, and sustainable waste management practice in the maritime industry.
0: So what the initiatives are expected for from uh, Maritime Nations to support uh, our commitment goes on?
1: OK. Okay, uh, uh, after the adoption of the initial IAMO strategy on the reduction of gas, gas, house, uh, green gas emissions from ships, the government of Norway, uh, the IAMO Secretariat and the United Nations Environmental Program, uh, they discusses way for supporting this strategy. Uh, so, a clear gap was identified in, trend, in terms of providing uh, a global platform uh, to discuss these ideas. Uh, so, a, a group was created, they established a group, uh, IMO Unit, and uh, Norway. Uh, which is called the Innovation Forum, which uh, is it, it acts as a global information exchange platform to promote inclusive innovation uh, for accelerating this transition of the maritime sector towards a zero- and low-emission future. Uh, they, um, the day of the, that the IMO theme is going to be celebrated, the 28th of September, they are planning to have a, uh, a forum that day on IAMO, at IAMO um, where they will tre- uh, be addressing research, technology, and infrastructure needs of developing countries and in particular least developed countries and small island developing states. Uh, So the idea is that the forum will take place on the same and the day that in the World maritime uh, day, and uh, this forum will be done in hybrid mode uh, and in person at the IMO headquarters. Okay. And uh,
0: thank you. could you shed some light on the role of Maritime Law in enforcing the regulations offline in Marple?
1: Well, Maritime Law plays a, a crucial role uh, in enforcing the regulations outlined in Marple. Marple is an international treaty adopted by IAMO member state. Ratifying and implementing Marple creates binding legal obligations on this state to adhere to its provision. We teach all the students the importance of incorporating MARPOR regulations into national legislation. This integration ensures that MARPOL rules are legally enforceable at the domestic level. Each vessel is registered under the flag of a specific state. Its flag state. Flag states are primarily responsible for ensuring <laughs> the vessel comply with MARPOL regulation, incru- including proper waste disposal and emission control. Flag state conduct inspections and audit of the vessel to verify verify compliance with MARPOL. To confirm compliance, they issue they issue necessary certificates, such as the International Oil Pollution Prevention Certificate and the International Air Pollution Prevention Certificate. Flag states are responsible for taking enforcement actions against their vessels found in violation of MARPOL. These actions may include imposed fines, detaining vessels or revoking certificates. Currently, one of my students is writing on the harmonisation of IMO Annex I regulations and national law. Some IMO conventions contain the taxing amendment procedure, procedure, which allow a member, the member state to amend the technical regulations of the convention faster. However, that creates a problem for harmonisation the convention rules or regulation into the national legislation the IMO audi reports have shown that many maritime administrations do not have the procedures or the writing procedure in place to update their national legislation more regularly which is This is essential in terms of implementation and enforcement of uh, the Convention.
0: And the next question is here. If, in your opinion, what role do educational institutions play in promoting awareness and understanding of Marple and its importance?
1: Well, I I think that educational institutions, universities, Marita Academies, uh, they play a vital role in in promoting awareness and understanding of marbles, and it uh, is important in several ways. We have incorporated marble into our curriculum. We have lawyers and a naval naval architect delivering the topic in our specialization. ensures that future seafarers, maritime professionals and environmentalists understands Mar- Marple requirements and objectives. Every year also several students select Marple as their uh, dissertation topic to give you an example of title of research dissertation we have, for example, the analysis of flag state implementation of MARPOL uh, by Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have garbage from ship sources in Cameroon. In the case of MARPOL seventy three and seventy eight Annex five. Um, we have uh, another dissertation: the implementation of IMO regulation concerning the reduction of sulfur emission in developing countries. So you can see that uh, the the topic is is of importance for our students to see how these regulations have been incorporated in international law, what is is the status of those regulations in their countries. We have also faculty doing research on Marport and uh, publishing uh, the research in in academic journals. Uh, we have also other specializations. Are cooperating with IMO, IMO and the Technical Cooperation Division. They are developing a number of e-learning courses and topics such as the oil pollution preparedness, re- response and cooperation, and marine uh, biofuels. Do- I have other examples, but uh, but, uh, the law and policy specialization have been involved in developing the EPICS program, uh, which stands for Education for Professional Excellence. This is part of our courses on professional development courses and continuing education. Uh, the program offers a, a portfolio of short courses for government officials and industry professionals who wish to have a deeper understanding of uh, maritime and ocean topics. So in, in summary, I think that uh, educational institutions are essential in, in raising awareness for understanding and promoting the importance of, of maths. Good,
0: thank you. And then the last question is, how can students of maritime law and policy contribute to the discourse surrounding World Maritime Day?
1: Well, I think that there are uh, uh, several ways to contribute. Uh, students can conduct research on current maritime legal issues, such as the changes in international conventions, environmental legislation, or these emerging technologies in the maritime industry. They can write papers on it or articles to share their their findings. Uh, A student can also participate uh, actively in maritime law conferences and seminars. Uh, where they can present their research or engage with experts and contribute to the discussions. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Next week we will have a conference on uh, on mass maritime autonomous surface ships. This conference is going to be organized with the Korean Ministry of Ocean and Fisheries, uh, and we will have several experts. Uh, speaking on current innovations in the maritime sector, and they will also look on the study, study of the regulation that could apply to those vessels. Uh, we will have uh, Mr. Hendrik Thunfors. Tuf- 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 uh, he works in the Swedish Transport Agency, but he is a chair of the working group that is looking into mass regulation in IMO. Uh, so he will be pe- speak on latest development on the topic, but we have a scheduled um, presentation to presentation by our students, student of the MSCA specialization, then we'll also present on that conference. So I think that is a, a way to engage uh, the the students uh, and to discuss face-to-face with the experts in in a conference. Uh, so I think it is important to engage students in uh, uh, these activities, and this is a way to contribute to the discourse surrounding the World Maritime day and to raise awareness about the importance. Good. So interview is over. Aha. Thank you for your time. Thank Thank you.